passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Joining me later today is Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic, who most of you probably know very well. Um, we're going to talk quarterbacks. Uh, we really haven't done a, a full kind of deep dive on Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, um, and how everything stands. When might the Falcons turn to Desmond Ritter, if at all? Is that time coming sooner rather than later? So we kind of dig into that. And then uh, the second half of our conversation, we will shift gears, talk about Pittsburgh, why this is, you know, truly it feels like a must win game for Atlanta, how their playoff chances will be impacted and all of that good stuff. So I hope you stick around. We're going to get to it pretty quickly. Going to get you in, get you out this week. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Real quick, here is a word from Bet Online. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for hoops betting and all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether we're talking NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's that easy. Just make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet online. Where the game starts. All right, before we get to Kevin, just real quick up at the top, some notes on the injury front. It looks like uh, everybody who was kind of listed on the Wednesday injury report, Arnold Evacati was limited. Chuma Doga was limited. Uh, Cordero Patterson did not participate, but that was just because of a rest day. Uh, Jalen Dalton did not participate because of a toe injury. Arnold Abikati, uh Chuma Edoga, back at practice. That's a good sign. Uh, Arthur Smith didn't seem too, too concerned with Arnold Ebicati's, um wrist forearm issue. Kind of seemed like it it could be nebulous there as to, to where exactly uh, it is. But honestly, it's the same place. Doesn't really matter uh, for all intents and purposes. So I, I think that 
that's a positive sign because the defense is much better when Arnold Epicady, your second round pick, is out there. He's looked really good this year, especially for a rookie pass rusher. And that's not always the easiest position to come in just because the the technical jump is is a little bit substantial because offensive linemen in the NFL, the good ones are much, much better than the good offensive linemen in college football. So I think he's really handled that well. They've It's given Atlanta the ability to kind of scheme up some things, I think a little bit more than they did last year. You're seeing twists, stunts, delays, all of that stuff. And I think Arnold Evacati has been really, really good with all of that. The other big piece of news this week, Kyle Pitts has a season ending surgery. He's done for the year. And I think a lot of people are going to look back at his second season in the NFL as a disappointment. And I think that it's just, Two different, you know, it's apples and oranges to, to where he was as a rookie and to what he's been doing in, in year two. In year one, you have Matt Ryan as your quarterback. You come into the year with Calvin Ridley, with Alameda Zacchaeus, with Russell Gage. Kind of the strength of this team at that time was the passing game. Remember, the Falcons for a long time have had a really bad run game. Like they've been in the 20s and below in the NFL rankings in rush offense the last several years. So kind of by necessity with the pieces that they had, the quarterback they had in place, Arthur Smith built an offense that was going to throw the ball substantially more than they have this year. Therefore, Kyle Pitts, let's see what you can do through the air as a receiver. He had a good year, over 1,000 yards, only one touchdown, but it was clear that he can do this at this level. Like, that should be the takeaway, and it doesn't mean that this year, because he statistically is not there, that he suddenly can't do that. He is still a legitimate threat as a receiver, And the dude's only wrapped up year two. Like he is so much football left ahead of him this year. I thought he showed significant improvement as a blocker. I think he's a well-rounded, a more well-rounded tight end after this season uh, than I thought coming into this year. And as the offense evolves and changes, I think that Kyle Pitts has the versatility to evolve and change with it. So yeah, this year statistically is going to look like a stinker when we're seven years removed. Hopefully by that point, he's gone on like a Julio Jones type run and it's six Pro Bowls, three All Pros like and we're talking about Kyle Pitts with a capital K and a capital P, right? And it's Kyle Pitts. He is a superstar in this league. I still think he has that in front of him. We just didn't see it this year. But I think a lot of that has to do with what this offense has been and what it's needed to be. And I don't put that on Kyle Pitts. So hopefully we see something a little bit different in 2023 but he's still a value to this offense. And I'm really, really excited to see what the future holds for Kyle Pitts in Atlanta. But we will have to wait to see that. You will not have to wait to hear my conversation with Kevin Knight, which is coming up right now. Friend of the podcast, Kevin Knight joins us today. The host of Falcolic Live, the host of the Falcolic podcast, and one of the best damn writers on the Falcolic website. Kevin, how you doing, man? Good, good. Just uh, out here trying to get that content going uh, and all these things, you know, on, on a Thursday uh, when we're recording this, you know, is generally when we switch gears to the next game. So so moving into looking at this dealer stuff. Um, now, I don't see my like bar, you know, I, we're in this very nice program that Will has set up. I don't see my bar <laughs> registering any like sound waves so i don't know if that means it's not working i've got audio i've got audio on my end so as long as you have it that's what matters yep hey look either they just heard what you said 
or they're just hearing me respond to nothing. <laughs> Either way, I think it's great content. So you, you started this off talking about content and uh, I think we're providing great content here today. But I wanted to bring you in because we have not on this show really dedicated a full conversation to the quarterback uh, situation going on in Atlanta. And Arthur Smith hates the word situation, but until he comes up with a better one, I just don't know what else to call it. So it's a situation. There we go. Um, Ovi and I have touched on that topic uh, a little bit after some of Marx's particularly bad games, of which he's had more recently than than he did to start the season. And I think the team's fortunes have followed. But last night talking on on Falcolic Live, I, you know, we we talked about the possibility that maybe it it is starting to get real and that the calls for Desmond Ritter should be maybe given some some fair run and and that there are some valid points. Where are you starting to or where are you on this conversation? Because I know that you've in the in the Falcolic Discord like voiced your opinions loud and clear for a while now, but but heading into week 13, where where's your head at with the quarterback? Yeah, I think I was sort of ready starting after the Thursday night Panthers game, but I recognize that that was probably like a little early for for the, <laughs> the coaching staff to bail because and it's, I think a lot of it has to do with what we talked about on the Falcoholic Live last night. Shout out to, to the other show. Uh, it This team is very much in the playoff race. Like whether we like it or whether we respect it or whether we think it's legitimate or that they could win a playoff game or whatever. Like they're very much in the playoff race because the Bucks are just god awful too. And, you know... It, the Bucks are at five and six. The Falcons are at five and seven. So they're theoretically a half <laughs> game behind. And, at, you know, it, there's still five games left. So there's plenty of opportunity for the Falcons to still make the playoffs. And at, because of that, it seems like Arthur Smith and, and company is not wanting to change the, the formula. They're not really wanting to make a big shakeup because they feel like and probably justifiably so that like this team has been in all but two games and they, they could easily mm-hmm. be a seven win team right now or an eight win team right now if a couple of balls bounce a different way. So because of that, I think they're hesitant to make a change at quarterback, despite all of us being very frustrated by Marcus Mariota's inconsistencies. And that I think that is what the, the challenging aspect of marcus mariota is is that you just see these wild plays and they're fun and it's like wow yeah i can't believe he escaped that sack i can't believe he he recovered that bad snap and got that ball off i can't believe he hit that tight window throw and and then it's like the just the layup throws are just way off and it's like oh yep that yeah. that ball's like three yards out of bounds and, and it, that's the problem with mariota it's not and it's a weird one because it's like usually it's like oh well the ceiling isn't there or you know <laughs> he's not mobile enough or he takes bad sacks or makes bad decisions with the football it's like i don't think mariota does any of those things it's just like that down to down reliability is just completely not there and that it's almost like worse in some ways because it's like you can't trust that any of your plays are going to go as, as planned uh, because of that. So it, I'm very much on the start Ritter train, but there's a lot that goes into it, as as you well know. I talked with Jake Matthews and, and Chris Lindstrom after the 49ers game, and basically they, they said that this offense is so predicated on just no negative plays. And the times that we've seen this offense fall apart, apart or the games where they fail to score over 20 points or something like that usually happens because not not necessarily because they just get shut out they don't just get stonewalled by a defense that hasn't really happened this season it's more that 
over the course of a, an eight to 12 play drive, which they kind of have to sustain because they don't have that explosive passing game to really rely on or go to once a series. There's just a greater chance that something's going to go wrong over a longer drive. And it has. And the Falcons aren't really equipped to overcome that second and 12 uh, or a third and eight. They really, really need to be on schedule. And I will credit Marcus Mariota because a lot of what I think he brings to this offense is keeping them on schedule. If a pass play is not there, like he'll pick up four yards with his legs. If uh, a read option, like he's been really good at pulling the ball at the right time. The first couple of plays against Washington that they ran that zone read, like he got wide open, picked up some first downs, had some nice running lanes. And so he's been effective in that area, but the yards after the catch opportunities aren't really there. Even when they hit these explosive plays, they kind of stop where they, where they get caught because his accuracy is not leading them upfield or giving them the, the best opportunities or windows to run through. I mean, the, the Kyle Pitts injury was kind of indicative of, of him maybe not having the best control on his ball and where it's placed because he kind of led him right over the middle into that safety. But yeah, I also sit here on the, on the same token and, and say that let's say the Falcons know uh, from what they've seen in practice, what they've seen in camp and, and just being around Desmond Ritter every single day. Let's say they know that he's maybe just right around what we're getting with, with Marcus Mariota. Maybe he's slightly worse. Maybe he's slightly better but he's just kind of comparable there. If they put him out there for the final four games, or even let's say the final four games, let's say Sunday, surprise, boom, he's out there. I just don't know what five games of seeing Desmond Ritter probably completing 59% of his passes for 172 yards with maybe one touchdown and two interceptions. Like if that's kind of his per game average over these five starts, I just don't know what good that does anybody because I don't know if we would know enough to know he's not the answer. I sure as hell know people wouldn't necessarily be optimistic or, or inspired by that type of performance. And the Falcons maybe do like a, uh, a Nathan Peterman at the time when they should just be focused on the opportunity in front of them. So what I guess would be the case for Desmond Ritter getting a run here to end, to end the season? Yeah, I mean, I think if you lose the Steelers game, that's a great case uh, for for getting Desmond Ritter in there because as as close as things are right now, I think you get to eight losses with four games left. Um, you're three games below 500. It's just that there's just not a lot of ways to make that work. And maybe the Bucks just stay terrible, and and like it's somehow still possible for this team to to win the division. But I I just feel like it. I don't really know what you're preserving. Then it's like, oh well, Marcus Mariota's gotten us to five and eight. Um, and, and so what are we really protecting now in terms of playoff chances by sticking with that? Um, like we, mm -hmm. we either need to go on a four game winning streak here, or we need to pack it in and, and start, you know, evaluating players. And, um, in a, in a lot of ways, I feel like the bucks being this bad is like bad for this team because, well, and, <laughs> and I'll do you one better because like yeah. they're in a little catch 22 here. I was doing the math for a piece that I, that just went up on Falcolic 17 minutes ago. Um, but it basically touches on this exact thing is like the Steelers game is going to determine what they do after the bye week. And they're going to have the bye week to basically go one of two paths. And either I think pivot and start looking to the next chapter or retool, reconfigure and figure it out for a four game stretch run to the playoffs. But Tampa Bay plays New Orleans this weekend. If Tampa Bay loses, New Orleans wins. New Orleans is right below Atlanta at four and eight. 
if Atlanta loses, now they're behind New Orleans because of tiebreak reasons. They're behind pretty much all of these teams because of tiebreak reasons. Like, this is not just a, oh, Tampa Bay's bad, so Atlanta's kind of like staying there. They're all so bad that like now they're falling back into New Orleans and Carolina territory. So a loss period is going to move Atlanta back because either New Orleans wins or Tampa Bay wins. So that is why we're kind of talking in, in definites here about this Steelers game is for all intents and purposes like a must win. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and for exactly the reasons you mentioned, I think like we talked about on live, it, it, it's sort of this is an opportunity to try to jazz your guys up and be like, hey, this is the season. This is like a must win game. Let's see how we respond to that situation because we're going to need to win these must win games in future playoff seasons to to make sure that we do actually have a postseason run when the team is actually threatening for something in the postseason. Um, but it's, you know, they can't lose it obviously if you have a must win game you can't lose it so if they lose it it, it's time i think to move on and i i think that we will actually see that happen but i guess i don't fault them for wanting to to give the players a chance to to keep this like winning attitude going and to try to you know keep i don't maybe pretending is too harsh a word but keep this (laughs) you know keep this vibe going of like we can still make the playoffs because of our situation and we're still a playoff contender and like like you mentioned it's much better to be in that headspace and it is like okay well, we're already moved on to next year and at least yeah. like no matter what now like if it, you're still in it right now going into to week 13 so like it's nice to be in it that long um a lot of teams aren't so if you win this week you're in it until at least week you know 15 so that's nice too but um it, it is so tight like it's not just the falcons that are tight for the division it's the panthers it's the saints who yep. are both one game behind now um so if Atlanta, if Atlanta loses or the Bucks win, it's sort of like probably much more difficult because if if the Bucks beat the Saints, then they're basically guaranteed to have a better divisional record, and that makes things more complicated for the playoff tiebreakers as well. And if the Saints win, then they're going to be ahead of the Falcons if the Falcons lose for all the reasons you mentioned. So it's just the math is getting like thinner and thinner to be like, okay, let's see if we can make these stars align. And I think I think the it was odd on crunching the, the 538 math uh, on Wednesday saying like if the Falcons were to lose, then their their playoff chances go into the single digits like 5%. Um, yeah. If they win, yeah. it still stays in the realm of the reasonable. But uh, regardless <laughs> of what happens with the Bucks and the Saints, the Falcons lose to the Steelers. It's basically game over. But, you know, right. with the Commanders game, I honestly think the Commanders game was the most important game of the season um, and losing that. Cause if they had won that game, it would have took their playoff chances close to 50% because yeah, it they just had erased tie- all margin yeah. for error. Yes. Because they would have had tiebreakers over three wildcard potential teams and yep. they would have been at 500 again with a winnable, you know, quote unquote game against the Steelers coming up. And, you know, so with, with losing that game, I think they're already on the back foot. And then if you lose another one, it's sort of like, mm, like we're in yeah. very dire straits. So, and part of the reason why I've, I've thought it's, a little bit weird for people to be talking about the the future, about next year, about all of that stuff kind of right smack dab in the middle of the season. For a lot of the guys on this roster, there is no next year. Like there are a lot of contributors on one year contracts for Atlanta. And that's part of the reason why I think we're going to get a great game from the Falcons this Sunday, because their backs are up against the wall. And, you know, Rashawn Evans has been in the playoffs with Tennessee. 
he kind of knows what it takes to to win these games right now. And he'll be a voice in that room. There are a lot of these veterans who are here on one year contracts who have never sniffed the playoffs, you know, who have not even gotten this close. And so I do think that they are going to I thought they played pretty well against Washington. You know, I, I think that was a weird sloppy game, but they adjusted and kind of met the the Washington uh, I, did you know that that was the game when they were unveiling a Sean Taylor statue before the game? Yes, I, I saw the statue. It was it when was I heard that yeah. I was like, oh, my God, dude, it's like it's like going back into uh, the Superdome after Katrina. It's not that yeah. that big, but like it's a mini version of that. And the Falcons always get these crazy atmospheres. And then on top of it, it just turning into a, a mud bowl and, you know, the the slop with the hogs and in the middle and run game and all that stuff. I was like, man. This is going to be a tough one for Atlanta. And yeah, I think yeah. that they did a good job of, again, they gave themselves an opportunity to win that game right there. Should, the have, should have for, taken the lead. Yeah, exactly. But for a great play, like they did everything they needed to do. So I trust them to kind of come out at home where they've played pretty well this season and look sharp. I think they'll put together one of their cleaner games of the season. But let's pivot to Pittsburgh. Like, how are you feeling about this must-win matchup? Like, what what are your... What are your thoughts coming into it? I mean, I, I the Falcons are favored by one point at home against a four and seven team, you know, so that should tell you a little bit about how the betting markets have soured on Atlanta being this, you know, <laughs> team that's expected to do much. Um, but it's it's another one of these games where the Falcons are sort of going up against a strong run defense, right? The Steelers, I think, are fourth in yards per carry allowed, sixth in total rushing yardage allowed. So they're a good run defense. They've been really bad against the pass. Um, So that always, like, whenever the Falcons have gone up against a bad pass defense, it's made the passing game look better. (laughs) Like, oh, these guys, we can actually do something. And I think the secondary is the issue for Pittsburgh, and it it has been for a while. And I think Akella Witherspoon is still maybe not practicing, maybe not going to play. Of course, they have TJ Watt back, who is just a massive addition and they do still have cam hayward who's awesome um but oh and alex highsmith dude yeah he's he's good yeah yeah incredible for that i really liked him coming out of charlotte uh but yeah he's been awesome for them this year yeah i feel like guy like like edge rushers linebackers with like high anything and they're like high tower (laughs) high smith like all these guys like you don't if you if you see a player with a name like that like you you need to go after that guy because those guys just seem to be good like universally but yeah laramie tunsil should have been named high something yeah Um, you know high tunsil or something but we'll, we'll workshop that one but um yeah it it's a good defensive line and it always has been it still is um the secondary is really bad, and I think their linebacker situation is bad too, which is crazy considering they have like multiple high picks in that linebacker room. But yeah, um, it's it's a vulnerable defense. It's not as vulnerable as it probably appears on paper because they they were missing TJ Watt almost the whole year, and of course he's like one of the best defensive players in the NFL. So him coming back is huge. Um, so defensively, you know, it's not a great defense. It's nowhere near the Steelers defenses of old, but they are good at stopping the run. And, and up until the Washington, like the commanders game, I was kind of nervous about the Falcons when they went up against a good run defense because they just had struggled. Like the, the Panthers really took it to their run game in a couple of games. And, um, you know, it, it, it was just dicey because that's how they moved the ball essentially. Uh, but against the commanders, they like they whooped them. I mean, they really took it to that run defense, which is one of the best in the league on a per carry basis and a yep. total yardage basis. Um, so 
it gives me hope that they can do it against the Steelers, who are a, a very good run defense. Um, with the Steelers linebackers being more of an issue, you wonder if like Marcus Mariota will have more chances to to get out in space and, and run. Um, I think that is, is a potential wrinkle there. But again, with the Steelers' pass defense being – the secondary being so poor, it's like maybe the Falcons will have more of a chance to move the ball through the air. That would be nice, but <laughs> – um, as always, like they're going to have to pass sometimes to win. And I think yeah. when they've went up against the really poor pass defense, this is when they've had success through the air. And um, statistically speaking, this is a, a very poor pass defense. Um, you know, I think they're 30th in yardage, 27th in, in yards per attempt or something like that. Uh, they've allowed 23 passing touchdowns, I think, uh, the Steelers. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, this could be a start Marcus Mariota and fantasy type of game for those that are still that are that desperate, I don't know, I man. They they're also they're second in the league in uh, interceptions, right? So that that yep. scares me. I think we've so the Falcons' strategy has always been right. We're gonna move them out of those two high safety looks. We're gonna run the ball, force them into that cover three. Never really let them know when we're gonna throw the ball, and we're gonna throw it against these cover three looks. Marcus Mariota hasn't really been hitting the the holes in these cover threes really well. I've also noticed that his average depth of target has significantly shortened. Yeah from where it was earlier in the season. Now, I think part of that's intentional because some of those interceptions early on in the middle of the season were kind of coming on these deep shots. He was overthrowing that. He was just missing. He was off on all of his, you know, uh, Josh Kendall had that great stat about his like air yards, uh, 20 plus air yards, like his completion percentage was was really bad. So I think they they dialed it back. But I, I still wonder, I feel like an interception or something early in this game <laughs> could could cost Atlanta here. Uh, I think I agree with you. Like the Washington game gave me a lot of confidence about this run offense against anybody. Like put, they they already did it against the 49ers. I know they were banged up at the time, but that's the number one run defense in the NFL. Like they can run the football on anybody. I think the key is, like I mentioned, doing it all within one drive. Having a drive where you can just run the ball down somebody's throat, play after play after play, because they can pick up yardage throughout the game. Like they're always going to finish with 130 rushing yards, which on paper looks like a good day. But for Atlanta, they need those that yardage to come in chunks, and they need to move the the, the defensive line, the defense, like they did against Washington, and just kick their ass down the field. So I think they can do that against Pittsburgh they're gonna have to because Pittsburgh's defensive line strength is really getting after the passer like that's how they're built think of the division they play in like they are built to get after the quarterback um, and and limit those offenses that way so let's flip over and, and let's talk a little bit about Pittsburgh's offense because I think that they're dangerous I think there's maybe even a little more volatility here to this team than there was with Washington. I really like Terry McLaurin. I think George Pickens can be scarier at times. Um, I think Deontay Johnson is is a better number two, really kind of a number one. I just think of George Pickens as, as a number one, but really Deontay Johnson is like, I like him better than Curtis Samuel. I know Najee Harris, it looks iffy for him, but Pittsburgh's always going to kind of at least establish the run game and they're going to keep going to it. What part about this Pittsburgh offense scares you the most and then and then we'll talk about Kenny Pickett yeah I mean you left out their leading receiver Pat Fryermuth. so <laughs> <laughs> literally he is leading the team with 521 yards I was actually shocked by that but um yeah I mean that they were able to trade Chase Claypool because they, they just didn't need him like it is like our receivers like our receivers are not the problem here 
Um, you know, they have a really good tight end. They have two really good outside receivers. Um, you know, I think Pickett has been sort of meh, you know, I think maybe Matt is even generous. Like I think what he's thrown three touchdowns to eight interceptions. So that's obviously not great. Um, but he's been fine and he's, he's a rookie and this is not like a top five rookie. This is like a second half of the first round rookie. So um, it is what it is. You know, I, I think, I think if Desmond Ritter was playing, you'd probably expect a similar sort of level of play, maybe a little bit yeah. better. Um you know, because I had Ritter above Pickett in my rankings, but I think that was not necessarily what most people agreed with. Um, I think a lot of people had Pickett as quarterback one. So, you know, I, it's really funny because I was talking with us with the, with one of the SB Nation Steelers guys, and he's like, the Falcons and Steelers basically did the exact same thing with their quarterback room. They brought in a vet, the Steelers brought in Mitch Trubisky, yeah, uh, Falcons brought in Mariota, and then they drafted a quarterback. Obviously, the Steelers drafted Pickett in the first, while the Falcons did it in the third. But like, I really don't see those two guys as different, like that much different in terms of their outcomes in the NFL. And the same thing with like Mitch Trubisky and Mariota. And it, the difference is like Mitch Trubisky was like one of the hottest names <laughs> in the the veteran free agent market, and he got benched yeah. four games in. So, well, the key uh, the key there crazy. is like yeah. Atlanta built their offense clearly around Marcus Mariota's strengths. Pittsburgh was just kind of like, I, I think Pittsburgh <laughs> was already, <laughs> they were already kind of like, all right, if Kenny Pickett has to slide in here, let, like, let's make sure he can. That's the biggest thing is like the, the Falcons with their court, the way their offense is designed, like it is tailored to what Marcus Mariota does well. And that's not an easy change, but that is why this bye week is crucial. And if there's going to be a, a change, I think that it, it probably does happen over, over those final four, four games. But flipping back to the game real quick, briefly, uh, Atlanta's defense. I think they've played better recently, but I I still don't know if if they're a great unit. The pass rush certainly has not been there. Only 17 sacks on the season, um, but they they are getting pressure. They are kind of getting near the quarterback. I mean, is this another one of those games where we're going to look back and say, man, the Falcons got torched by a rookie quarterback? Or do you think that this is a different version of the Falcons' defense and maybe something to kind of carry over into the future? with the way that these guys are starting to gel and it seems like playing pretty cohesive football across the board. Yeah. I mean, is, is Evan Katie back? Because I think that makes a huge <laughs> difference. Uh, Cause That's as true. soon as he left that game, the pass rush just disappeared against the commanders. So yeah. Um, Boy, he's good. He is good. I like that. I like Evan Katie. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think Carter, like Lorenzo Carter is a perfectly fine, like part of the rotation. And, you know, I think D'Angelo Malone has shown that he deserves more snaps. Like, um, you know, I, I don't want to like kick Okandeji while he's down, but like at this point, I just like we need D'Angelo Malone to be out there. It's it's yeah. beyond time uh, to cut Okandeji's snaps back big time. But, um, you know, so there's there's like the the start of something is there on the edge. On the interior, it, they've just been ravaged. Like, I mean, it, you finally found something in Taquan Graham. You do have Abdullah Anderson, who's playing decently well, and of course, Grady Jarrett. But it's like you look at what this defensive line was supposed to be like in yeah. May and it's like, Oh yeah, we have it. We have, you know, Eddie Goldman coming in to be our nose tackle. And we've got Vincent Taylor to be our, you know, uh, one of our rotational primary pass rushers. And yep. like Anthony Rush was still hanging around. And, Marlon yeah, Davidson yeah. was supposed to be yeah. something, you know? Yep. And so like all those guys are gone or on IR or retired. So <laughs> it's, uh, it, this defensive line is a disaster um, and, but and they've, it's been I think that way all year, but they've been okay. Yeah. okay. yeah. Like, I mean, yes, it's a little yeah. bit like the corner situation. Cornell, Cornell Armstrong is not my choice to throw out there as a starter, but like 
for the job that he did, I think it was admirable. And like Abdullah yeah. Anderson has some plays where he literally knocks the guard back into the backfield and totally blows up a run play. So to get that from like your third or fourth string defensive tackle on the season, I'll take it. I mean, again, that's yeah. a little bit, I think, should be inspiring and inspire some optimism for the future because they kind of are getting some solid play out of guys that we didn't even really know about before the season. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I, and that's, I think that was a big part of what I was hoping to see this year is like, we just need to like last year, we found some guys that we wanted to carry over some, some sort of diamond in the rough guys. And I think this year they've done a good job of doing that too. Like Abdullah Anderson is clearly one. We, we know Taquan Graham, we can rely on him yes. as a part of the rotation. Um, you know, D. Alford at corner. It's like this is a guy that should be a, a reliable piece. I think Darren Hall kind of fits. Darren fits Hall, the I same. think, has shown that he's capable of being an outside starter. Like, I don't know if yeah. he's a high end outside starter, but it, like we can feel like going into the season, it was like, oh, Darren Hall's like our cornerback four and the primary backup on the outside. Like, that made me yeah. sweat a little bit because we just didn't really know if he could do that. Now you feel pretty confident about that. Um, yeah. And it's like they, they had to deal with a ton of injuries with Terrell and Hayward out at the same time. That's like nightmare type scenario stuff. Uh, Isaiah Oliver looks healthy again in the secondary. And he I think his like I don't his know coverage if he's has never as, been as, like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't his know coverage if he's never as been well that as I great. expected him. Yes. His, his coverage has never been that great. It's been OK. But his like run defense and his blitzing has been where he's yep. really impressed. And I think he's continued to yeah. do that this year. So um, it's. It's very much a work in progress, but I think you like that they've been able to find some guys like even Rashawn Evans. Like he's on a one year deal, hasn't he's played well, otherworldly. But I, right, yeah, I think he's earned at least like a chance to be the third linebacker again next year because of of what he offers, and he offers that veteran presence. And um, I don't think this team wants to go out and spend a lot on linebacker either. Like it, it it's not a pri- Like I think they they need to get Troy Anderson more involved. Uh, you michael walker has been up and down but he's still here for one more year at least uh so it's like i think they they've set themselves up to where they can make some very low cost re-signings for a lot of these guys to fill out the depth and then they can finally now you know and this is my one you know off-season thing that we'll bring into it to a mid-season show they can finally start to be like we can actually spend on some premium players instead of having to fill out our depth chart with anybody um like they're they're starting to like and and that props to Fontenot for doing this. Like they didn't have a lot of money, so what they did was they went out and found a lot of contributors and like role players and rotational players with yeah. their limited cap, so they can carry a lot of those guys over to future years now that they're in the building. But see, I wonder if the if the approach because they never in New Orleans like they really built out a good roster, top to bottom in their best years. Like that's kind of what they had, and so I wonder if that's not the approach. Is do you parcel out? this money that you're going to get into, all right, instead of paying $2.4 million for our middle linebacker this year, let's pay $5 million. And then let's do that same little incremental boost to 13 positions across this roster. Like, is that the approach? Or do you think they go, all right, who's the number one edge rusher on the market? Let's throw a bunch of money at him. Who's the number one corner on the market? Let's go get, uh, you know, two number ones on the outside who's the top slot receiver let's go get like do you think they just really pinpoint and get like the top guy at at three or four different spots or just just parcel it out and raise the entire floor of this team 
I think it'll be a mix uh, because I, they do have so much cash that I feel like they're going to try to splurge because splurges are fun. <laughs> splurges are great yeah. for PR. And like you do need Black star Friday players. just happened. Yes, know. it did. You know, we got to go out there and get get that stuff. So uh, get all my tech gadgets and all this. Um, but I don't I think it's going to be measured like I think we will get probably one big addition on both sides of the ball, like one premium player. And I suspect on the offense, it'll be the offensive line and on the defense. It'll probably mm-hmm. be, it could, I know a lot of people expect it to be like Deron Payne or something like that. I think there's a good chance it might be like a Jesse Bates, like a safety um, because of how important safety is to Dean P's defense. And like, I think we, Richie Grant, he's your second round pick. I think he's played the best of all of the, the young secondary players at this point, other than like AJ Terrell probably. But um yeah. AJ has you know, not I had think, the best season. I think that's fair no, to say. No, he hasn't. But um, I think he had one of his best games against the Commanders this year. I, I uh, think, like, yes, like, I think uh, he did. So maybe finally healthy now and and, and playing better. But um, I, I do think a, a premium like star safety could really be a big difference maker in the secondary. I, I, don't, I kind of have a hard time seeing it at corner because I feel like corners are so expensive and like there's just – it, it, you're really talking about like yeah. incremental gains over like a Casey Hayward at this point. So I think they're going to probably roll with maybe, maybe a young, like a rookie or something like if they have a chance to, to add somebody there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think, I think it's uh, on the defensive line. I think it's more likely to be like, let's add some, like, especially at tackle, like let's add two or three, like two veterans, like, like six to 8 million type of veterans. So like, like a Jordan Phillips or a David Onyemata, like those guys that are going to be big upgrades to the rotation, but you know, you're not putting all your eggs in the Duran Payne basket. Cause Duran Payne, like based on my conversation with, with commanders folks, like they, the commanders are going to go all out to keep him. So there's not, there's a good yeah. chance he doesn't even leave. So like, I think, I think trying to weigh too much into like, let's get all the premium guys, you're, it's going to end in disappointment if you think the Falcons are going to come away with like the top guy at any position. But um, yeah. and then like to me, it's like I would rather go after a, a different offensive tackle than Caleb McGarry personally. Um, I think Caleb's been fine, man, and I, I he I has kinda, been fine. I think he's had a good I, season. I think he does some of the the things well. But I, I totally get I get where you're coming from. I and I also we are we often talk a lot about just positions, and it's something I'm going to try to be better about this upcoming off season. Uh, for which I won't really be here because I'm going to be on paternity leave for the start of it. So maybe I'll just personally be sitting there being like, you idiots, talk about it this way. Um, But roles, roles. It's not so much positions. It's what role do they have a player occupying? And and is is this dude a great run defender? Is he an outside linebacker? Could they set the edge with an outside linebacker instead of your, your five technique? Sure. So like maybe that's the role that that guy plays. So I think sometimes we sit here and say, all right, He's a safety, but really they may view him as a a Micah Parsons type and somebody who can move all around the defense and play different things. Like, I almost think the Falcons are going to prioritize that type of role, like the versatility, Mm -hmm. the jack of all trades who can kind of move around. Because I think Dean Pease would absolutely love to have somebody like that. I think Troy Anderson could potentially one day be somebody like that. Um, So, yeah, I'm really excited to, to see what free agency holds. But we're getting a little uh, ahead of ourselves. We're it getting, all comes yeah, down to yeah, we Sunday. we got a couple more weeks. Yeah. <laughs> before I, uh, last thing before I let you out of here, Kevin, I just need kind of gut gut feelings for how Sunday will go. I, I do think the Falcons will win, which is just going to complicate everything even more. Because <laughs> um, I feel like that's what they always do. It's like, oh, Two yes, more we can weeks finally have Ritter. some clarity. <laughs> yep. Yep. So we're going to, we, we could have some clarity for the future with a loss. 
Uh, and it would probably guarantee them a top 10 pick with a loss as well uh, or close to it. But, you know, we'll see. But they're probably going to win. Uh, and that's going to make them six and seven. And then if the Bucks were to lose, then it's like we're in complete chaos with the Falcons on top of the NFC South again, and everyone's going to get all jazzed up. And that'll be fun, you know, for, for what it's worth. So it it's a... Uh, I, I just feel like they're going to win this game, like just because like we can't have it simple. We can't have it clean. It's going to be like we're going to go into the bye, like still trying to, to win the division. And, you know, that, that's not the worst thing in the world, certainly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like they'll find a way to win this game just because they seem to do that. Uh, they never this team is great. I mean, last year, like it, they they did like at this they point did, in the season yeah. is when they fell off a cliff. Um, so. Right. We'll see if this year's different because at at this point, this has been the exact same trajectory. Like literally the record is exactly the same uh, for the Falcons, I believe at this point. So it's been the exact same trajectory. We'll see if they can change the the narrative this cycle uh, to get to six and seven and and keep keep hope alive. Or do they fall to five and eight and we're talking about top 10 pick? So because legitimately, like if they lose, they they could have a top 10 pick as early as next week. So. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they're right there on the fence. And I think the narrative yeah. of the 2022 season will really be written over these final five games. Um, but I agree. I think the Falcons are going to play pretty clean football. As I said, I think they're going to come out sharp. Um, if they win the coin toss, they'll they'll defer, obviously. But like if they get the ball on offense, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a really. I thought Arthur Smith's opening game script was awesome last week. He's yeah. been really good with that all year long. They bogged down kind of on the other side of the field, had to kick field goal. I expect them to punch it in with a touchdown if they get that opportunity this week. So, yeah, I'm thinking something like 24-20 at home, get a get a good win there. Um, and let's try to not take it down to the very last play this week, guys, if you can. Impossible. Um, yeah. That's all I ask. But thank you so much to uh, Kevin Knight for joining me today. Kevin, please let everybody know uh, what you got going on and where they can find you. Yes, guys, I am on Twitter at Falcoholic Kevin. Uh, the show is Falcoholic Live. That's on YouTube's on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Also, post game shows immediately following the games, and then Falcoholic Podcast, where you get you do get audio of all of the Falcoholic Live shows as well. But we also have podcast episodes that go up on Tuesday and Friday. Uh, so the game preview will be up on Friday, uh, so you can look for that as well. Uh, yeah, and then of course Falcoholic.com for all that sweet, sweet written content, including my first. <laughs> mock draft of the 2023 season it's only four rounds for all you degenerates that were hoping to see like those three seventh round picks or whatever but uh, yeah that that's gonna have to wait because i honestly have no idea who the seventh rounders are at this point i don't want to be disingenuous and be like oh this guy's good that's like i i I just picked a name out of a hat so that that's what it would be so we're not doing that yet but other than that uh, enjoy (laughs) kevin you had 13 weeks to and you could only come up with four rounds god dude you were five picks you know (laughs) (laughs) all right man uh thank you so much i really enjoyed this yes absolutely thank you a big thanks again to kevin knight for joining us for today's podcast please stay tuned monday morning ovi and i will be back to recap this very very important falcon steelers game in week 13 and then next week during the bye week Going to uh, welcome on Rob Taylor, who will be filling in for me while I am on paternity leave. So we're going to introduce him to you all, uh, get a feel for him and and his experience as a Falcons fan, as a Georgia fan. I know he's a huge Braves fan. So uh, that's kind of in the works for the bye week action. But yeah, really important stretch for the Falcons. It all begins on Sunday. 
Hope you guys will join us for the stretch run because I think it's going to be a lot more fun than last year when, as Kevin said, they kind of fell off a little bit of a cliff. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I could be wrong. We'll find out on Sunday. But regardless, it's going to be a lot of fun. So today's podcast was presented, as always, by Bet Online. We will see you guys bright and early on Monday morning. But until then, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 